road. I can do three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I can do three weeks. Good morning and welcome to Nature Watch. Nature Watch is sponsored by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center. Actually, it's two weeks if I do the math. Two weeks. Yeah, three weeks. I'm an English major. Well, no, this is this, this is, is oh, this is the third. It is. Yes. Whoa, I had it right first time. Maybe I should just <laughs> shut up. Nature Watch brought to you by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center at the corner of Milliman 12th Street, right there in the roundabout. Now here he is, your host for Nature Watch, the one, the only, the inimitable, Gary Miller. How are you, sir? Good. Good morning. A little frosty out there this morning. A little bit, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's that, it's uh, been nice, you know, and it's going to get nicer if you look at the extended outlook. Yeah, the extended outlook looks like it's going to be uh, quite warm. You know, what scares me, I guess, and this would be a question I would ask uh, uh, Andy if he were here, are are, the, are trees and flowers that come up in the springtime, are they in danger when we have that kind of oh, yes, extended yeah. period? Yeah. You know, you're going to start seeing things that you're not supposed just, to no, see. Native, native plants out there, everything in this unusually warm weather, mm-hmm. they start thinking, oh, spring's right around the corner. Yeah. We're going to start getting those buds to swell, start getting bigger. <laughs> and then we get that really cold, cold snap in March or April. And that's when we get a lot of that frost damage in a lot of those plants. Yeah, and, it's, it's uh, just scary, especially it's, it's, with it's the fruit crop. It's not good crop, for plants. Um, fruit crop everything else. Because it's happened before. I mean, you know, this is not something that's brand new. We've had it before. No. They, they've survived, but it's still, uh, yeah. it, it stresses those plants somewhat. So it's... So, uh, well, welcome back. Uh, yes. We were here last week, but you were... Uh, we yeah, were I, was, I was in Technology. Our, I was in the remote uh, location down in Orange Beach, Alabama, and... Uh, that uh, remote, uh, it worked out pretty well. We had a few little glitches, a couple little uh, gaps or so. Um, I think maybe it might have been, this is my theory, uh, maybe there was a couple spots in the uh, interlink between Alabama and here that uh, somebody didn't have the string pulled taut enough between the cans We're or just going to so. have to get better string. That's yeah. all there is to so, it. Yeah. But it worked out pretty well. Cool. Uh, so, and uh, I guess I could have stayed here for a couple of days. I saw the same fog that you saw up here. Uh, it was warmer, Alabama though. It was fog, nice being warmer. Alabama fog is the same as Michigan fog, apparently. Oh, gosh, so, yeah. Well, that's all right. So, well, well, welcome back. So it's uh, good to be back. Um, a little bit about uh, yesterday was Groundhog Day. And uh, I'll talk about, uh, we've talked about groundhogs in the past a little bit because they're in that squirrel family. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about groundhogs. But Groundhog Day yesterday... Um, in Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow. So he is predicting an early spring. For only the 21st time in 138 years, wow. Phil did not see his shadow. He saw his shadow 107 of those times. And they also have records missing for 10 years. So there's 10 years they don't know what he predicted. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I'm going to read his, his official proclamation was, Another winter slumber pause so I could meet the crowd. Hard to sleep anyway when the party's this loud. I envy your energy. I envy the fun. I envy all of you and your opposable thumbs. But it's not what I feel. It's what I see and what you hear. So gather around and let me be clear. Atmosphere is a wonderful thing, and we can create our own and the weather it brings. It brings hope for the future and so much more. Maybe some Punxsutawney Phil write-in votes in 2024. But one thing the weather did not provide is a shadow and a reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day, an early spring is on the way. All right. So according to Punxsutawney Phil, who has only been correct not quite 40% of the time, we're going to have an early spring. And uh, I'm going to talk about some of the other critters that are maybe some competition for Punxsutawney Phil here a little later in the show. You know, I've always wondered, 
Gary, do they draw straws to see what idiot sticks his hands inside that thing to an animal that's got very sharp teeth? Well, well and you, does anybody ever get bit? Oh yeah, they've they've gotten bit in the past. I'm going to talk about that a little bit oh, too. Okay. Some of those competitors right. who've had some incidents in the years past. Uh huh. So, okay. Um, but yeah, it, the, the groundhogs don't like to be handled. Um, they're in hibernation. They go in a deep hibernation, and uh, that's why Phil always looks so lethargic when they pull him out of his, his den. There, um, it was like he's in his wind winter sleep, and they've disturbed him. <laughs> so it, uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the groundhogs then. Uh, a couple of events coming up. Uh, I don't want to talk about events here. Um, Waddell's Green Thumb Club Series is still continuing, and uh, today they have. Uh, a couple of them uh, on house plants and succulents, so something interesting to do next week. Uh, we've got two of them that might be interested to you, nature folks. Um, one of them is using native plants in your landscape to attract birds, and another one using rocks in your landscape. And everybody runs across rocks and sometimes don't know what to do with them. So there's actually some neat things you can do with a rock in your landscape. And then there's several others uh, coming up after in, in subsequent weeks. Uh, but uh, you know, check out Waddell's.com, go to their events, and uh, you can see all the different events. Sign up for those. I know a lot of those seminars are full or near full. Um, they will be offered again, most of them, or if not all of them, um, at our Spring Expo. And that's that fourth weekend in March. Uh, March is a little messed up month-wise, but uh, it's at uh, 23rd and 24th, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the uh, this, uh, actually in a couple weeks, you're looking for something to do on Valentine's Day. And uh, I'm going to treat your sweetie to, to something unique. Um, it's another Birds and Coffee online chat with Kellogg Bird Sanctuary. Um, it's 10 to 11 in the morning in, on February 14th. And they're going to be talking about how birds fall in love. So maybe something appropriate for uh, Valentine's Day. Um, it's a free event. It's online. You do need to register ahead of time so you can get the Zoom link. So something uh, neat to, to do. And uh, something else is coming up. We, we talked about the Christmas bird count, but right now we have uh, coming up the Great Backyard Bird Count. Yes. Uh, I, have, I participated in that before. It's fun. And uh, that, that's uh, the February 16th through the 19th. It's the 27th annual. Um, last year they estimated half a million, more than half a million people participated. They reported more than 7,500 species of birds from 200-plus countries. So really interesting, fun event. Um, you need you can do it for any length of time as far as observing what birds you see, uh, but you need to do it for at least 15 minutes. That could be in your backyard, or in a park, a wilderness area, apartment, balcony, or a neighborhood street. Um, if you're doing it for the first time, they recommend that you go to the GBBC, the Great Backyard Bird Count website, and they've got some helpful birding tips and some birding app downloads. And uh, you can also see on that map that they've got there uh, some different community events. Um, the Great Backyard Bird Count is a joint project of Cornell Bird of, a Lab of Ornithology, um, National Audubon Society, and Birds Canada. And is actually um, funded in part uh, by a founding sponsor, Wild Birds Unlimited. So Audubon Society Kalamazoo is actually leading two of the GBBC uh, activities this year. One at Wolf Lake Fish Hatchery, the other at Upjohn Park. If you go to KalamazooAudubon.org for information, you can see when, when they're meeting for those. And uh, so, so something interesting with uh, you know, coming up with the birds again, we might see a little more bird activity, uh, especially with the warmer temperatures they're predicting in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So should see a lot more bird activity. Cool. 
So probably should throw out this. Uh, it's a sort of a quite a nebulous answer for my trivia question today. So okay. I'm, I'm going to be somewhat lenient, but uh, there's actually quite a few sort of actually correct answers. So we'll see what people come up with. So my question today is, because yesterday was Groundhog Day, why do we look to a groundhog to forecast the weather? <laughs> That's a good question. So why, why, why do we you know, why, look why to Why is the groundhog the guy? Woody the woodchuck or who, you know, there's all sorts of... Uh, Animals out there that they use in different regions of the of the country to predict the weather. So why do we look at groundhogs to predict the weather? Okay. All right. 382-4280-877-382-4280. If you haven't won anything in the last 30 days, you or anyone in your household, you are eligible to win. And once again, Gary and I have to remind you, uh, we're the only ones here, and I'm the only one with a phone. So <laughs> when you call, I'm going to answer and then put you on hold right away. That does not mean I'm hanging up on you. Just stay put, and we'll get to you as soon as uh, as soon as I can uh, as I can get you off hold. So, uh, so the question again is: Why do we look to a groundhog to forecast the weather? There you go. All right. So uh, we'll wait for some uh, phone calls, and uh, in the meantime, I uh, it does surprise me. Oh, and we have a phone call. Oh, we got a call coming. Yeah. All righty. Okay. So let's uh, see if they stuck around. Good morning. Welcome to Nature Watch. Who's this? Good morning. My name is Gay. Hi, Gay. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, I'm Gary? A- Gary and I are both upright and breathing. We're good. <laughs> That's exactly right. Us too. All right. So the question is, why do we turn to Senior Groundhog or Senorita? I guess it depends on who it is. Yes. Uh, to tell us what's going on with the weather. Well, I just read a blurb that it was some guy from Germany that brought the groundhog over and started the whole deal. Well, I will accept that. All that's right, actually there we the, go. So it actually was a tradition right. in, in Germany. Yeah. And uh, they actually, uh, in, in Europe, they looked at, at hedgehogs mm-hmm. and badgers. And uh, obviously there aren't any hedgehogs in Pennsylvania. Um, a lot of the Germans settled uh, in Pennsylvania, and they looked at that tradition, and they adopted the, the groundhog to uh, predict the weather. And it sort of goes back to a tradition of uh, Candlemas on yes. the 2nd of, of February, which is the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And there used to be quite a, a celebration uh, on that. And uh, so that, that's why they uh, they look at that time. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more with Candlemas. So it's a tradition that they brought over from Europe. And uh, it, it's interesting. I'll talk about some of the other critters, too, because not everybody looks at groundhogs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool. Well, Gay, congratulations. First caller in, and you're uh, you're our winner. So I'm going to put you on hold really quickly. In just a few minutes, I'll be right back with you to get your information. And uh, we will mail your prize, which is, of course, a $20 gift card to Waddell's, uh, to you very soon. Thank you very much. All I right. appreciate that. There you go. Hang on a second, ma'am, and we'll be right back with you. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Son of gun. Yes. Okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. That's, that is good. I'm, are there other reasons that... Well, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll talk. You're going to talk about those? i talk about that a little bit okay. here with, like, with Candlemas and, All right. uh, and that, too. I remember so. Candlemas. I, I learned about that when I was in Germany. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's so. actually quite quite big. Um, the uh, Candlemas actually uh, started back as actually a pagan tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that sort of halfway, between, halfway point between winter solstice and spring equinox. And uh, it actually goes back to some of the Celtic tradition of Imbolc. Uh, which involved lighting candles at the start of February, and it goes back as far as the 10th century A.D. Um, Christian Church actually adopted, uh, expanded the idea and ad- adopted it into the festival of Candlemas, which uh, commemorates the, when the Virgin Mary first took the, the baby Jesus to, to 
introduce him as, a, as her firstborn. Um, on that feast day at Candlemas, clergy would bless and distribute all the candles needed for winter. And over time, the focus of the day became increasingly about predicting how long a winter would last. As one English folk song put it, if Candlemas be fair and bright, come winter, have another flight. If Candlemas brings clouds and rain, go winter and come not again. There we go. Okay. So, so that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. So, so all right, but, cool. Uh, so if they, you know, they uh, further expanded it, with, a, especially in Germany with the hedgehogs and then sometimes badger, um, if it saw its shadow, there would be a second winter, six, or six more weeks of bad weather, according to German lore. All right. And Let's... so the German settlers, when they settled in Pennsylvania, brought that tradition over with them. Um, Punxsutawney sort of got a, a unique start. Um, Punxsutawney Groundhog Club was actually a hunting club. It <laughs> uh, was founded in 1886. And one of the members was the editor of the town's newspaper. And it per- quickly per- published a proclamation about its local weather prognosticating groundhog though Phil didn't get his name until 1961. The first Gobbler's Knob ceremony took place in 1887. The rest is history. And uh, so they still dress up in the garb with the top hats and everything in Punxsutawney and make quite a festival out of it. Uh, it uh, It's actually quite large. Uh, they get, uh, in years past, have had like over 38,000 people show up to see Punxsutawney Phil uh, make his prediction. And uh, it's... Uh, Interesting because uh, Punxsutawney Phil, there's been several Phils, um, though officially Phil's 137 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Groundhogs don't live that long. And uh, But uh, initially when they had Groundhog Day, they would make their prediction with the groundhog, and the event usually culminated with the weather forecast being forecaster being served and eaten as a main entree. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Well, and I'm sure that that's why they volunteered. Sure, the groundhogs weren't too happy about that. No, (laughs) I would imagine not. Um, Phil was actually um, previously known as Brer Groundhog, and uh, so he uh, makes that makes that prediction with uh, with the weather. Phil's official name and title is Punxsutawney Phil, Seer of Seers, Sage of Sages prognosticator of prognosticators and weather prophet extraordinary <laughs> ah okay well that you know that would make sense i guess and so. in the first article in the newspaper the editor said uh, claimed that uh, phil was the only they didn't name him phil them but that their groundhog was the only true weather forecasting groundhog <laughs> uh, well at least he's unique you know yes, yes. so all right well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back gary's going to talk more about the other critters Yes. That happened to also be in this Groundhog Day type thing. So we'll be right back with Nature Watching and our host Gary Miller in just a few moments here on WKZO. Your sweetheart deserves nothing but the best for Valentine's Day. Waddell's Floral Shop is where you can get the longest lasting top quality flowers in town. Just call Waddell's, your local professional florist, or visit Waddell's.com to order that special someone the perfect bouquet. Wouldn't your Valentine love getting extra large dew fresh roses? Or get the best of my love bouquet in a pink vase with roses, daisies, and sweet smelling stock. Maybe your sweetie would rather get a plant, like a mini orchid or ruby ficus. Or for something totally unique, 
Call Waddell's and talk to a designer about making a custom bouquet with their favorite flowers. Waddell's florists can even add a special touch with candy, a balloon, and a stuffed animal. Call Waddell's at 345-1195 or go to waddell's.com and be assured of cheerful, prompt delivery to schools, homes, and businesses. Waddell's is open Monday through Friday 9 to 6, Saturday 9 to 5, with special extended hours both February 13th and 14th, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. All right, WKZO News Time is 847, and we're back with Gary Miller, our host of Nature Watch. We're talking about the critters that predict the weather. Predict the weather. Not yes. just Puxatani Phil. Correct. And our friend across the way there. Yes. Is- uh, the uh, of the uh, there's, there's quite a few critters around the country that predict the weather. Most of them are groundhogs. Um, of 13 that, that they uh, at least mentioned in an article that I was reading, 10 of them agreed with Phil that we're going to have an early spring. Three of them said oh, wait a minute, we've got winter, winter for another six weeks. <laughs> so Staten Island Chuck um, predicted that there's going to be an early spring also. Uh, according to his handlers, he's accurate more than 80% of the time dating back to their first festivities at the Staten Island Zoo in 1981. So maybe a little more accurate than Phil. Uh, Friday's prediction, yesterday's prediction, actually uh, marked 10 years since uh, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio dropped Chuck during the Groundhog Ceremony. Ten, that was 10 years ago. The animal That's died so a week later. Oh. And I think he was probably remembering from the year before because the year before the groundhog bit him through his glove and drew blood. There we go. <laughs> yes. so I'd be a little leery too after the groundhog starts squirming. Yeah, you got to wonder. So you know. an, an autopsy um, determined that the groundhog suffered internal injuries, but it wasn't clear if that was from the, the animal getting dropped. Okay. And uh, so after that, they uh, actually have instituted some very special handling conditions and only zoo um, keepers get to handle the, the groundhog. And so they would keep the animal nice and safe. Um, Georgia has a groundhog named General Beauregard Lee. And, of course. <laughs> uh, he also predicted an early spring this year. Uh, he's also got a better record than Phil, about 70% accuracy okay. so, since well, 1994. Um, Woodstock Willie in Woodstock, Illinois. And that's actually where most of the movie Groundhog Day was filmed, even yes. though it was supposed to be placed in, uh, you know, set in Punxsutawney. And uh, he... Uh, Actually predicted an early spring. Um, an interesting um, longtime WGN chief meteorologist, Tom Skilling, who is just retiring, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, um, read the groundhog's prognostic- prognostication of an early spring. Um, in Washington, D.C., uh, is Potomac Phil. I guess I had to borrow the Phil name. Um, again, an early spring prediction. Uh, Buckeye Chuck in uh, Marion, Ohio, also predicted an early spring. However, Woody the Woodchuck in Howell, Michigan, yes. predicted six more weeks of winter. And she has been more accurate than Phil. Okay. Also, well then. Um, so they actually um, take take into account how long Woody comes out of her her den, and if she stays outside more than thirty seconds, it's spring. So spring's around the corner. It's gonna okay. be early spring. She was out there twenty some seconds yesterday, but mm. uh, she went back in. So they said no. Winter's gonna winter's stick around stick for another around. six six uh, weeks at least. And she's also been accurate nearly seventy percent of the time. And. Uh, in uh, Quarryville, Pennsylvania, they have Octorero Orphe, and he also predicted another six weeks of winter. In Connecticut, they decided to get away from the groundhog, so they have Scramble the Duck. <laughs> um, I had to chuckle when I saw that. Um, the duck. So the duck looks for his shadow to do the prognosticating on uh, Groundhog Day. This year's shadow wasn't present, a sign of early spring. And according to his handlers, he's been doing this since 2015. He's got a 100% accuracy rate. Wow. 
So we'll and see. And what did the Ducks say again? Um, early spring. Early spring. So early agrees spring. With, with Phil. Okay. Um, in Iowa, um, Polk County Paula predicted an early spring. And in uh, Boulder... Uh, Flatiron Freddy also predicted an early spring. Now, Flatiron Freddy is a deceased, stuffed, fur-damaged, yellow-bellied mermit who, with the help of his handlers, always arrives in a surprising ra- way at the Chautauqua radi- Ranger Station to declare to the world whether or not he sees his shadow. Mm. Um, in Connecticut, Chuckles the Groundhog. In Manchester, another prediction of early spring. Beardsley Bart in Bridgeport, Connecticut, is a prairie dog. And... He also predicted an early spring. Big Al the Alligator in Texas. I've heard of Big Al. He's um, a 93-year-old, 13-feet, 4-inch-long alligator, and he's been predicting uh, also that we'll get an early spring, at least in southeast Texas. And uh, so we'll see uh, see how accurate they are. Um, I guess I'm going to lean more towards Woody. Yeah. yeah. Woody's more local. It's a, we're a, that's a hometown, yeah. It's a yeah. Home, Woody's a hometown you know, uh, favorite. And uh, so. her accuracy has been, been very good. So. Yes. Yes. Although good, I'm, uh, I'm wondering about that duck. Yeah. You know, 100%. It'd be kind of hard to prove it was 100%, though, but still. Yeah, I know I know in uh, Portland, Oregon, they, they have a beaver that predicts the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was another place in Texas, they have a frog. <laughs> oh, um, the frog has not been very accurate, I don't think, though. Um, it's hard to believe that frogs would be too active, even down south, it's as cold as it's Yeah, been. I was going to say. Um, aren't they uh, I think they'd be pretty, pretty lethargic. Yeah. Um, so it... Uh, it's interesting. Uh, some fun facts about it. I actually was reading about the groundhogs on uh, from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, they're also called woodchucks mm-hmm. um, or whistle pigs. Whistle. I've never heard that one. And I've heard that name before. Woodchucks, so yeah. So the whistle pig nickname they got because when they're alarmed, they have a high-pitched whistle to warn the colony. So if you've been around, seen any prairie dog colonies, prairie dogs do a similar type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but groundhogs will do that high, the high-pitched whistle. Uh, they uh, weigh as much as 11 pounds. Um, their teeth grow throughout their lives, so they're that rodent family. And they're also very quick. So when they want to move, they can move very rapidly. They're very good swimmers and also very good tree climbers. That's the woodchuck uh, name. Um, they have two layers of fur, a dense gray undercoat and a longer coat of banded guard hairs that gives the groundhog a frosted appearance. When they're frightened, the t- hairs of the tail stand straight up. And uh, you know, as we know, they, they live just about everywhere. <laughs> Um, they're exceptional diggers and will uh, use their claws to create an intricate system of underground burrows. Um, they also have usually excavate a separate bathroom chamber. Oh, wow. So they actually do their business. And uh, um, actually, one of the, the article was, yes, groundhogs poop underground. <laughs> uh, so, so they actually well, do yeah. their business, which makes sense if they're down there. Yeah, especially they're down the winter there all time, the time. Yeah. So they, um, they eat mostly plants, uh, fruits, vegetables. But very little water, so most of the moisture they get from dew on the leaves or just from the plants themselves. But they also will occasionally eat insects, bird eggs, and other tiny critters. And uh, so they uh, they actually will go into hibernation. Um, it was actually quite interesting. They um, will lower their temperature when they go into hibernation, and they go into deep hibernation, to basically the ambient temperature inside their burrows, which is, runs about 60, 62 degrees. Okay. So. And they slow their heart rate down to about four beats a second, and they slow their breathing rate down to about two breaths a second. 
So they really are, are hibernating. Mm-hmm. So that's why Phil always looks a little discombobul- discombobulated when he gets taken out of his burrow, I think. I'm going to have to go look at those pictures again because you said that their tails stand up when they're in, either annoyed or, yes. or whatever. Yeah, the, the hair, I'll have, the hair to, the tail. I have to look and see if Phil's tail is uh, standing yeah. on it. I don't know if he was all. awake enough to be alarmed. Well, okay. That's well, that's true. Um, I still think that that's the job that I don't think anybody really wants is to, okay, who's reaching in there this year? Um, you know. Growing up on a farm and having seen lots of groundhogs, um, they get cornered. They get very, very vicious. So. I was going to say, you know, I don't know. I, I, I imagine he doesn't one. have like memory. You know, oh, oh they it's might. Groundhog Day again. Crap, they're coming after <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, you know? so, I'm going to bite him this year. By golly, by gum, I'm going to get him. So now, well, anyway, that's so. That's, that is, of, I didn't know there were that many animals that actually did the. Uh, yeah, I was just surprised there was stuff. that many too, and, and uh, you know, some of the other animals besides groundhogs. Um, that was that was actually surprising yeah. to me. Uh, it, you know, it's all that whole thing if they see the shadow or not. Yeah. And I always had an interesting thought. Well, gosh, if a, you know, groundhogs typically, if it gets warmer, the males are coming out looking for a mate. That's that's where they see the activity. And usually, if it's warmer out, spring is coming around the corner. Spring is mm-hmm. going to be soon arriving, and so the, the groundhogs start getting active. Um, the females also come out at that time. Some of the females, and depends on the area and the temperature, sometimes the females are active before the males. Um, so they do come out um, looking for that mate. And uh, But I always always had this sort of a funny thought, gosh, if we have any kind of daylight, you can if you look closely, you can almost always see your shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And you know, just because they, they don't have a shadow first thing in the morning, if they look later in the day, they see their shadow, do they confuse to what to predict? Or, you know? Well, and you wonder why Phil doesn't see a shadow all the time with all the TV lights around. Well, yes. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, come on. Well, and it's always very, very early in the morning and quite yes. dark. So I, yeah. it, it, I think it'd be difficult to see a shadow. I think they say, oh, gosh, if the sun's coming up, and Phil can see his shadow. Um, so so when Phil, um, when they do read Phil's proclamation, um, they have a special cane that allows one of the members of the Punxsutawney uh, Groundhog Club to speak groundhogese with Phil. Yes. And Phil indicates which which scroll for them to read. So that's how they determine what uh, what his prediction is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, must be a special school to, to I'm guessing. I just uh, have no clue. But, you know, I, I would like to believe Phil, but I'm with you. Woody the Woodchuck, I think, is my... I, I think we're probably... I, I got a feeling we're in for a little more. And what really scares me is like what we were talking about off air, is that a lot of flowers and trees and things like that are going to mistake this warm weather we're going to have next week. And they might start saying, all right, it's time. And then, boom, you know, we get the second blast of, of winter. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I, I think, you know, we've seen years past, especially recent years, it seems like we get that little warm-up midwinter about this time, and then we get some really cold yeah. weather again in March and April. And it messes up and all the fruit trees. And I, as long as uh, we had that really warm fall, as late as it was this year, I, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive too because I think yeah. we're going to probably see a big weather, weather, cold weather blast uh, late and uh, have some really cold weather. Yeah. Before hopefully we have, I'm wrong. Hopefully, uh, I'm wrong. hopefully you're wrong, but you, know, you never know. Before we have to go really quickly, again, remind us of the activities going on at Woodell's. Yeah, so we've got uh, a couple of seminars today about uh, house plants and succulents. Um, next weekend, we've got... Uh, Two, two seminars, one on um, native plants for birds in mm-hmm. your landscape and using rocks in your landscape. 
Cool. And uh, I'm actually doing both of those seminars next Saturday. All so right, I got a full go. day next Saturday. So you got you got you got So if you happen to be in my rock seminar next Saturday and my voice is starting to go, it's probably because I've been talking for several hours. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do this again next week? We'll do this again next All week. All right. Thanks, Gary. We appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to Nature Watch. Tune in each and every Saturday after 830 for Nature Watch. Brought to you by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center at the corner of Middleman 12th Street. We're right there on the roundabout.